Today on the podcast, I'm talking about a topic that many of us don't like to admit may be getting in the way for us in our love and work. We may joke about it. There's definitely plenty of jokes about this topic, but most of us aren't actually dealing with it. And I'm so excited I've invited one of my favorite people on the planet to discuss this topic with me today. So you've got to join us. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Okay, so what is this pesky thing that takes up energy, distracts us, sometimes even undermines our work, our relationships, and our self-confidence? What has this kind of hold on us? So it's body image. And before you say that this has nothing to do with me, stay on the line because you may be surprised about the unexpected ways body image concerns show up for you in love and work. So I'm so excited to help me talk about this topic today is one of my best friends, my partner in crime. I always say you're my partner in crime, which, you know, hopefully we never commit a crime because then we'll be in big trouble. (laughs) Partner Um, in saving the world. There you go. That's better. That's better. So um, in our specialty clinic, uh, Balance Health and Healing, and an all-around amazing psychologist, Dr. Anna Packard. So welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I know. I know. Like I've been conniving away to get you on the podcast. I know. So I've been go. waiting for my best friend to invite me. I to know. Our podcast. Here you go. Here you go. So before we jump into the topic, I've got to do a proper introduction because I know if we don't, we're going to be off and running and that is people, true. people will be like, wait, wait. Who? Right. Who's her bio? What's her bio? Let's get this. Okay. Why do we care about her? What she has to say? <laughs> oh, they'll care. They'll care. But let's let's do a proper introduction. So, okay. So, let's see. There's a there's a lot here. I'm going to I'm going to jump around so we can get going on the topic. So, uh, Dr. Anna Packard earned her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Brigham Young University in 2003, and then she worked for 2 years at the Stanford Treatment Research Center on a study exploring alternative treatments for depression during pregnancy. And then in grad school, she pursued specialized training in women's issues with a specific emphasis in the treatment of eating disorders. Ta-da! Yay! Yay. Love that. Um, And then worked as an extern at Center for Change. Which is where I met you. Yes, I was actually her supervisor there. So that was awesome. Uh, Which, you know, Center for Change is a highly regarded specialized eating disorder treatment center uh, here in Utah and was trained and supervised by clinicians with expertise of many years of experience. That means we were old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dr. Packard earned her PhD in clinical psychology from Brigham Young University's APA accredited program in 2010 and did a pre-doctoral internship at uh, BYU uh, at their counseling and psychological services. So she's got lots of great expertise. And then after graduation, 
She continued work at Center for Change, where she provided intensive clinical services to individuals in inpatient and residential treatment for eating disorders. And, you know, one of the things that Anna is really well known for is uh, group psychotherapy for eating concerns. She's kind of a group guru. Yeah, I'm a group junkie. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. She's really passionate about it. And she's really, really good at it. And so that was one of the things that she did a lot of at Center for Change and really developed um, group programming there. And then, of course, since coming to Balance Health and Healing, that's that's something that she's continued yes. here. Yeah. And she's 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 very gifted, um, not only with group therapy, but also individuals. So um, in fall 2012, she began working at BYU's Counseling and Psychological Services, providing individual and group psychotherapy to BYU students. And and um, continued her specialty with eating disorders and body image concerns and lots of supervision of graduate students. So she's she's bringing up the next generation and she does a lot of presenting nationally, regionally yeah. on eating concerns, body image issues and doing Um, group psychotherapy. So definitely doing a lot of work in that direction. And then she joined, she joined us at Balance Health and Healing in 2016 as the group therapy coordinator and has continued this emphasis here. And when she's, when she's not in the chair, working her magic, she's hiking, spending time with her family, reading a good book and enjoying the outdoors or planning her next trip. So, you know, just on a personal note, like Anna is, she just has a zest for life. And so, yeah, yeah, for sure. So everyone has a more enjoyable time when Anna's around. (laughs) So, and Anna's really well known for like asking deep thought-provoking questions. So whether in therapy or whether out on the hiking trail. So when you're when you're around Anna, you always you're always thinking deeply about things, which is which is really great. So um so yeah, so I'm excited to nice. excited to have you here. So anything you want to set set straight, anything I got wrong or you want to, you know, correct on the record um no that was a really <laughs> flattering introduction <and> very <laughs> thorough <laughs> there you go there you go okay so let's jump in and talk about body image yeah. shall we it's a passion for both of us for sure yeah so you know body image it's such a big topic and of course you know both of us have spent our our clinical career studying and treating this issue and you know, we could talk about this all day. And in fact, yes, we really could. We do spend, <laughs> you know, a lot of our days talking about this. But for, for our purpose today with the podcast, I really wanted to focus our discussion on kind of three main points. And so, first, um, understanding just how pervasive body image concerns are and that these are not just the domain of women yes. anymore, right? Yes. And some of the factors that, that contribute to body image concerns. And then the second, the second area that I thought could be helpful is, you know, how body image concerns are showing up at work and in leadership, Mm -hmm. because of course that's what we really are focused on here. 
And then third, to build some awareness so that if you see or hear yourself in some of the things that we are discussing, you can have some direction to kind of help you on that. Yeah, where to start working on this. Exactly, exactly. So, So that's kind of the goal for today. So first, let's maybe kind of look at some of the stats on body image and what do we know about body yeah. image concerns? Well, if you're in a Western society, we know that this is a huge focus. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, we talk about, it's in the Kool-Aid that we're raised on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? And, and as you pointed out, it's across genders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts really, really young. So some of the statistics for young kids, I think, highlights the pervasiveness and how detrimental this experience can be. So by age six... Um, girls already start to express concerns about their weight and shape. In fact, 40 to 60% of elementary aged girls are concerned about becoming fat. Oh, that's like so heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking that they're tuning in so early and young Mm -hmm. to messages that society is bleeding at them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also thought... So 80%, 80% of 10-year-olds are afraid of being fat. So my daughter's 10. Okay. And I've even like begun to hear and write, I'm like super body positive right. in my house. But even she has made some comments. I'm aware that like I can't keep, I can't like keep her in a little bubble. Like she's, <laughs> she's picking up on these messages and these value mm-hmm. systems that society is pushing on her. And yeah. that's, that's so many, 80% yeah. of kids are afraid of being fat. In fact, I think that stat is also they're more afraid of being fat than they are of nuclear war, their parents dying of cancer. Yep. And probably something I forget there was something else that was pretty striking. Yeah, but the but the one that killed me on that is that they were more afraid of being fat than of their parents dying. Yes. <gasps> yes. I mean that gives you some right that just context about the weight stigma that's so mm-hmm. pervasive in our society. Yeah. And then another one, you know, if, if we think about how pervasive it is for young girls, you know, of course, we know that that only gets more intense as women age. Yes. So if we think about college age women, I think I think the stat is ninety five to ninety seven percent of college age women are are at some point on a diet. Yes, that it's just the it's just the norm, right? To be dissatisfied with your body right. and to be actively trying to change yeah. well and it's, body. it's not that much lower for women in general right 90 percent right. of women in a given year will go on a diet yeah right which so, is, just seems so miserable it, well it is right <laughs> no one goes on a diet to stay on a diet because it's yeah. miserable <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so then let's let's look at um the impact of body image by gender, because yeah. one of the things that we've seen, especially what I would say probably in the last 10 years, yes. is that this focus has, you know, it certainly has not gone away from women, but we see 
attention also being placed on right. men. We see definitely with advertising, you know, body washes and oh, all this sort of thing aimed at men. What is it called? Men. Like manscaping or something? Manscaping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, ha- we have the rise of the metrosexual. Right. So let's look at some of the body image concerns as they impact men. Well, it's interesting. Even with our last um, diagnosis and statistical manual of mental disorders that came out, Uh there was one that was considered but didn't get included but was reverse anorexia, which is this – and it's all about men. Mm -hmm. We're seeing an increase of men having this obsession with needing to be a certain size. So it's reverse anorexia because, right, anorexia is this idea of thinness. But for men, it's this idea of bulking up and they can't be buff enough. Yeah. Um, And that can fall really easily into disordered territory. Yeah. And and consume their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we have over one half of teenage girls and nearly a third of teenage boys use some some form of unhealthy weight control behaviors, such as skipping meals, fasting, smoking cigarettes, vomiting, and taking laxatives. So that's really startling it to is. me. That and how that, similar the stats are. Between. Right? Yeah. That that rise in boys. And then um, that this is a study from 2013. So even, you know, several years ago, 95% of college age men are dissatisfied with their bodies on some level. Yeah. So... So body image concerns are not the domain of just women. Right. Um, it is sad. The trend is going in the wrong direction in the, yeah. because it's just becoming more gender inclusive. Yeah, exactly. But that's not, that's not where we want to go, but that is where things are going. And it's really easy to even just see this also at a young age, like the Batman superhero that looks like yeah. today compared to 20 years ago uh-huh. is vastly different. He has muscles where muscles don't belong. I know. Right? It, it used to be uh, Michael Keaton. Yes. yes. <laughs> Michael Keaton was the was the old Batman. And actually, last night, I watched The Dark Knight Rises with my children. It was not Michael Keaton. Let yes. me tell you. Yes. When it wasn't even, who was it? Was it? Uh, I forget his name. It was Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> but even he, like, it's the suit. The yeah, suit is it's, chiseled. It's the suit. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that and that's you know that's actually one of the you know the hypotheses or one of the things that we're seeing with the um, increasing pressure on men is this what we call the superhero effect, right? So the chiseled abs and the bulging biceps and the fitness craze in social media and the movie screen. Yes. And we blame a lot of things on social media. <laughs> These days, but when the shoe fits, but when, right? <laughs> and, and the research on the impact of social media, um, particularly on body image concerns, it's starting to come out now. And it's the shoe does fit, right? right? Like it's right. it's not good that especially those um, image heavy platforms like Instagram yes. really do take a big hit, not only on women but also. Um, men but if if we if we look at this superhero effect so for the last 3 years at least 4 out of the top 10 grossing movies in the US have been superhero stories and in these films the ideal male physiques are shown constantly so to be brave dependable and honorable you need big muscles so that's right. kind of the message and I'm like right. yeah can we be done with those movies right. yeah <laughs> no i don't think they're going anywhere i know cuz they <laughs> 
make money. So there right. They are very clearly, I, I loved what you just said. They're very clearly um, defining what it is to be a man, just like as movies and media define what it is to be a woman. Yes. And it's very hard. You have to consciously evaluate those messages. Mm-hmm. Otherwise we're, we're all just drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It takes proactive awareness and change to pull yeah. away from that. Yeah. And, and I think for, for our purposes here, we want to think about how does that, how does that bleed over? How does that translate into the world of work? Yes. Right. Because we bring our whole selves to work mm-hmm. and those messages do not stop as we walk into our office. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're really pervasive messages. And so we, we really kind of want to think about that and just pay attention to how those body image concerns um, show up for us right. at work and how they might get in the way and and how some of those cultural messages might add right. some pressure well, as well. Right. I think there's both internal adoption of those values and ideas of what makes me worthy, what makes me allowed mm-hmm. to have a voice, how do I define success? But there's also places in which there's overt pressure. Yep. Right? Like yep. the messages might be overt in the workplace. You might see people getting promoted that look a certain way yep. or getting more attention and prestige. Yeah. And it's easy to fill in the blanks that partly due to how they look. Yes. And there there actually is a really good study out that uh, physically attractive people do get promoted mm, more, more often. Yes. And so we know that that bias yeah, exists, exists for sure. So um, it it is alive and well in right. the workplace. Right. So, yeah. So let's let's quickly um, define define body image and then let's move into how the body image concerns show up at work and okay. in leadership. So I've I've got um, I've got a quick definition here of okay. body image just so we're kind of all on the same page and then you can clarify or or you know change it as as you will. So body image is defined as one's thoughts, perceptions, and attitudes about their physical appearance, right? So pretty, pretty basic definition. And we think about negative body image or body dissatisfaction involving feelings of shame, anxiety, and self-consciousness about the body. So people who experience high levels of body dissatisfaction feel their bodies are flawed in comparison to others, and they're more likely to suffer from feelings of depression, isolation, low self-esteem, and eating disorders. So, Yeah, I like that because I think, um, well, I like that definition. I don't like the, the result <laughs> um, because I, I do think what you're tapping into is, is when we think about um, how basic it is, it's how we feel toward our bodies, but the cost, right? When we don't feel positively about our bodies, that can take up so much energy and lead to some really detrimental consequences like low self-esteem, depression, isolation, all these things set us up to really struggle. Yeah. High cost in lots of different areas. Yes. I mean, at best, it's an energy suck. Yes. Right. But at worst, it can be really damaging. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now, yeah, let's actually talk about Let's let's kind of move into that and focus on how the body image concerns show up at work and in leadership. So um, 
let's talk a little bit about socialization. Yes. And, you know, we kind of think about socialization for women and for men. So do you want to talk a little bit about that or shall I? Sure. Well, we, well, we, we both can. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's really interesting to see how girls and boys are socialized different still. Mm-hmm. Um, and those of us who are adults, we've been through the socialization <laughs> process, but are still being socialized. Yeah. Right. That, We as women are taught overtly and covertly that how we look matters. That is how Mm -hmm. we get attention. That is how our voices are heard. That's actually how our voice is spoken is through what we look like. Mm -hmm. Um, It is how we, as you just said, it's how we get promoted. Um, And we are also not supposed to be loud, right? We're supposed to basically sit quietly, look pretty, be competent, but don't make, don't ruffle feathers, yeah. You know. Sit still and look pretty. Exactly. Be kind. Yes, yeah. be kind, be nurturing, don't be abrasive. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Yep. While boys, right, and men are socialized for strength. Yes. Strength and power, right? We think about the Batman right? Um, suit. And really the message is speak up and assert yourself. And, of course, we see this show up in so many ways, not only in the educational system, but, you know, we think about how the how the boardroom really is not a far walk from the classroom. And and so the insidious ways that body image issues show up um, for men and women at work. Right. Mm -hmm. And and one one way, especially for women, is that if if they're not careful, um, these body image issues will keep a lot of women silent. Yes. At work. Yes. Which like makes me so sad. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it does keep women silent at work. And I do. I also feel like, tell me if you think I'm off, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I've read a bit about this too. But if you're in a larger body, the way in which you find your power is to be funny. Yeah. Right. And I think that's yeah. for men and for women. Yeah. Right. If you don't fit the mold, you have to find another way in. Yeah. And that's through humor. Like I'm going to be able to be seen because I'm funny. Yes. And so, yeah. Right. Like you fall into some of these um, maybe stereotypes mm-hmm. or what's socially prescribed mm-hmm. um, rather than rather than having your unique voice right. yeah at at the table um so that yeah that's a really big one and then we also kind of think about what are what's the unique culture of the organization as well and right. how might that add more pressure to some of this socialization right piece um as well and so then let's let's next talk about kind of the expansion of roles especially for for women i think this also comes up for men as well but the pressure that comes with that so this is kind of a double double-edged sword because every time i talk about this issue i want to say it's not that i want less roles for myself as a woman (laughs) but when we think about the expansion of roles for women, mm-hmm. what's happened is it's just more pressure for yes. women to be and do it all. Yes. So let's talk about that one. Because be and it, do it all perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. It, yeah. That's implied, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about that one. So it's not, you know, it's not enough to have a certain degree or a certain career, but you also have to be 
the perfect mom and you have to be involved in the PTA and you have to be the loving wife. And it's, you know, we have just added more to our plate and you have to have a great yoga body and you have to, you know, and so to be very Zen and you have to be (laughs) really present oriented in your life and kind and giving to your neighbors and host book clubs. <laughs> I'm just getting stressed out. No, it was interesting. <laughs> I, I literally just had a talk with my husband this last week because, right, some of uh, being uh, having a career and being a mom, um, I, I literally can't do it all. I can't be there for all of it. And I missed one of my daughter's Amen. soccer games. Yeah. And my husband did too. Right. Yeah. So no one, neither of us were there. And I was like, do you feel bad about that? And he's like, no. <laughs> But I, like, have all this mommy guilt, right? Like, I'm supposed to always be there for them, too. tied up in knots. Yes. And also kick ass at my career. And, you know, it's just. And, okay. And then this is. This is this could be a totally different podcast. So I'm just gonna. (laughs) I'm just gonna throw this bomb. And then we're gonna walk away from it. Okay. (laughs) None of the other dads. Would uh, like no one is gonna say a darn word that your yes. husband missed that soccer game. That is so true. But how many moms are gonna are notice that you missed the yes. soccer game? Yes. And I think that's I mean, that's where we as women are our own worst enemies. Yes. Because we're so hard on one yes, another. Yes, we're not just judgmental of ourselves. We're evaluating and judging each other. Yeah. We're we're still holding each other to the standard of, yeah, yeah. you're supposed to do it all. You are supposed right? to. Yeah. We'll put a bookmark in that one. Yes, maybe we'll have another a podcast. <laughs> yeah, part two. Because <laughs> that's a whole, yes. that's a whole different topic. But but yeah, so this pressure to exceed expe- expectations in all areas yes. of their life. And I think, yeah, like you like you said before, it's just an energy drain, right? Yes. Like you've got energy going to all of these different sources. And if you're not careful, you get caught in impression management. Yes. And that's a big one. Right. Really big one. It is. That is that is a giant energy drain. Yep. I think that leads really nicely to this next point. Uh-huh. That, um, that do you want to... Talk about this. Yeah, around around self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I've done in my clinical work is I've always framed body image concerns as self-worth concerns because yeah. (laughs) I mean everyone wants to talk about how can I feel better about my body? And I'm like, actually, let's just work on feeling better about yourself. Yes. You know, like they are not separate. And um So this idea that self-worth concerns are really big, messy questions that are so challenging to answer. Because honestly, how do you begin to answer the question, am I good enough? Right. That it's such a big, I mean, it's a huge existential question, but you can definitely answer the question, am I thin enough? And we live in a society that is obsessed with a thin ideal and we are bombarded with messages that tell us If we are thin enough, 
um, that oh that tell us that if we are thin enough, then we are good enough. Yes. And so though answering the worth question is really difficult, we have lots and lots of ways to answer the thin enough question. So right. we can weigh ourselves, we can pinch ourselves, we can try on clothes obsessively, we can compare ourselves to everyone we come into contact with. And of course, we can feel absolutely miserable about ourselves, which, by the way, guarantees we will never, ever feel good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is such an important point um, because everyone who's drinking the Kool-Aid buys into the idea that change is the answer. Yeah. Right. That changing I, your body yes, is the changing answer. Changing your body is the answer. And I will feel good enough. And here's here's what I think about. People do experience if they lose weight and fit more closely to a standard ideal that society dictates is ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, they do feel an initial boost in self-esteem. But the research is really clear that that doesn't last. Yes. And very short. Yes, very short. And mm-hmm. and it makes sense as to why. Anytime we put our self-worth on an external measure, that's not true self-worth. Right. And and I think too, okay, at best, let's pretend you have an increase in self-esteem and feelings of self-worth with losing weight. You then create a prison for yourself because your body can never change from this point. Right. And so a lot yeah. of people are then living with fear. Like I can't gain any weight. Yep. And, and you, your life becomes about, I have to maintain this weight. And so at best, you're not living your life. Yep. Right. So, so you've just added some anxiety and yes. obsessiveness right. and fear-based living. Right. Which also can be reinforced, right? Like people notice you lost weight and really reinforced you for it and mm-hmm. you feel more attention. But right, then you are held prisoner yeah. to that experience and you don't have any flexibility to grow and expand, both yeah. literally and like figuratively. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but also, right, the research is really clear. It doesn't last. Yeah. Yep. So... Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you house your self-worth into your appearance. Yes. It is a losing game. Yes. Every single time. Yes. Despite whatever message you hear. Yep. And you will hear lots of messages. messages. (laughs) And people will be sitting there wondering, and this is where our clinical work comes in, right? Because then people are like, okay, maybe I didn't lose enough weight. Right. Or maybe lose a little more. Or maybe actually I need to go the plastic surgery route. Yeah. Right. Like, or I just need to get toned. Yes. Yes. That's my favorite one. Like actually to get toned, you need to, you need to add some more weight. Yes. Because muscle is a function of weight. Right. Yes. (laughs) That's my favorite one. (laughs) You're like, we can work with that. Let's help you gain weight. Sounds good. (laughs) Eat more. Yes. Okay. So, oh, you have a great quote. Oh, yeah. Related to that. Oh, yeah. But what I was also going to say, too, is um, when we focus on our body, you're not even doing the real work, right? That self worth is really, as, a, as you started out, like it's vulnerable. Yeah. That is huge life work right there. Yeah. Um, and we can derail it by putting it on our body. Um, so, this is just a quote I love. Um, it's by Shafali Sazberry. So she wrote The Conscious Parent, um, The Awakened Family. Oh, good. She's, good she's stuff. awesome. So yeah. she's not even really talking about body image, but this quote I just think is gold. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, when we have a solid sense of self, no self-image is required. We don't think about ourselves at all because we are totally engaged in being ourselves. Isn't that perfect? And that's exactly the freedom, yeah. right? That comes with body acceptance. Yep. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and at the end of the day, uh, self worth it's an inside job. Yes, right. And I think what you know when we're hustling around the body image stuff, like we're we're treating self worth as an outside job, and you'll you'll end up spending lots and lots of money and paying a higher cost in plastic surgery (laughs) and in all sorts of, um, in all sorts of, um, obnoxiousness and you will feel worse and worse because it's this elusive, um, goal that, um, you had all along within you. Right. If, if, if you would be willing to do that work. So, okay. So now let's, let's talk about, um, Let's talk about one of the other costs or one of the other ways that this shows uh, the body image concerns shows up at work. And I think I actually think this is a really um, important one that sometimes we we don't pay attention to as much, but it is the ability to concentrate. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to just talk about a study here. And when I came across this study, I was like so flabbergasted. So it came out of University of Michigan. Yay, Michigan. That's where I did my internship. I love University of Michigan. Um, So this was a study of college students. I remember when we... I can't remember if I was talking to you about this or talking to someone else, but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they actually did this study. But it's kind of hilarious, but also um, kind of stunning. So this was a study on um, self-objectification. So about um, body image and body shame, and then also um, concentration and restrained eating. So it kind of looked at three key things. And they actually did two studies. So the first study was of 72 women, and then they went back and did the study with um, men and women. So they did like 42 women and then 40 men. And what they did was... They um, they they kind of had two conditions. So they had the the men and women. We'll just talk about the second study, but they had the men and women take a math test. And the first time they took the test, they just had them take a t- take the test wearing a sweater. And then they, you know, comfy, cozy, comfy, cozy. <laughs> they scored their they scored their um, test and, you know, went on their way. And then the second condition was they had the men and the women put on a swimsuit and then take the test, <laughs> which <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> you never I, took a test in, in a fact, swimsuit. In fact, I think I've had that nightmare before. <laughs> And so, and then they, um, you know, took the test and what they found is, I'm just going to talk about the results from the second study that the, they found the effects on body shame and restrained eating were, and concentration were significant for the women only. Mm. So it wasn't significant for the men. They were kind of like, ah. Swimsuit, but think about what a swimsuit is for. Right, I wonder if it would have been different if they were wearing speedos. Yeah, I think it was just trunks. Yeah, yeah, speedo might have might have increased that a little bit. bit. Yeah, but for women, right, that increased their body shame. It then predicted restrained eating. 
and have to diet and <laughs> impacted their attention, right? So they did much worse on the math test after that. Yeah. And so I think it really shows the impact that body image concerns have potentially on your ability to concentrate and focus and like get shizzle done, yes. which is what we care about, right? right? Like being productive and and moving forward on goals and adding value. And in a very real way, body image concerns can be incredibly undermining. Yes. Well, and and along with that, right, if it's making you so self-conscious and ability to concentrate, you're not going to perform as well. Right. You're also not going to feel the confidence to speak up. And to insert yourself where yeah. where your voice is really needed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You will not you will not make yourself heard for sure. Yeah. So I I just think, whoo, that's that's um, that's motivation right there, right? Body yeah. image issues make you dumb. Oh. <laughs> Can we make a bumper stick potentially? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be dumb. Love your body. I I think there's something to that. Watch, watch for bumper stickers coming your way. Okay. So before you lose hope, all is not lost, right? So we want to, we definitely want to, you know, build some awareness and first of all, recognize um, that, you, you know, you probably do hear, you know, some things that might sound familiar, because if you're like um, most individuals, you probably have some body image concerns, right. you know, it, right. it's, it's so very, very common. And what we want you to to see is, first of all, have some awareness about that and the ways that they might be, these concerns might be showing up for you and certainly help you see that you're not alone. We want you to see that there are some costs to not addressing these concerns, but also, and definitely most importantly, um, we want you to see that there are some good steps you can take to address the body image issues. You know, spoiler alert, we've kind of talked about this already. Um, these steps have nothing to do with changing your body. Yes. So we're definitely not be we will not be talking to you about the latest diet. So you can you can thank us later for that. <laughs> yeah, we, we think that's a public service. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but we do want to give you some great solutions that actually will help. Yes. And that are supported by um, the research and that, you know, get to that question of worth and helping you to actually do the work of um, making peace with with your um, body. So let's so we've got I think we've got like five yeah. solutions. So let's start with solution one. Do you want to start with solution sure. one? Well, we already talked about solution one, but just to recap, because yeah. it is such an important step. You have to get off the bandwagon that changes how you're going to feel better about your body. Yeah, it's a big one. It is. So you have to stop drinking the (laughs) Kool-Aid and you have to actively become an informed consumer of these messages and not buy into them anymore. Um, Awareness that, right. I love that framework of body image is actually a self-worth question Yep. and lasting self-worth will never come through changing your appearance or placing your worth on your appearance. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Right. The the diet culture, it's I I think the number is sixty billion. Sixty five billion dollar industry. So they've got a really loud megaphone. Yep. Um telling you that all you need is the latest um the latest diet and um I'm telling you it's it's wrong. Um so that the the message of the diet culture is really one about control that you can't trust your body and the the truth is like learning to trust learning to trust yourself learning to trust your body is is the work yes. you know and so um, your body is wise your body way more wise yes. than you give it than we all give it credit for yeah Exactly. And so that diet culture really leads people down a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. of obsession with food and rules um, that really, you know, take you away from that trust. And so, you know, and also take away your ability to concentrate at work because you're obsessing about food, by the way, (laughs) and and set you up for rebound. Yes. Rebound um, weight gain, which what the research indicates is is people 95% of dieters regain weight, but then they regain another 10%. So, you know, we know diets work in the short term, but ultimately they don't They fail long term. They fail. Absolutely. And really fail, right? Really fail. They're associated with weight gain. Yeah. Fail magnificently. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. So now let's talk about solution two. Make peace with your body. So we are fond of saying you do not have to love your body. Yeah. No, for some people that can feel so far away. Yeah, Especially if you're in an active place of hating your body. Yeah. To transition to loving that just people are like, I don't even want to step into that. That just feels enormous and huge and I can't touch yeah. that. So, yeah. right. Making it more realistic of you don't you don't actually have to love your body to have peace with your body. Yeah, exactly. So I always kind of think about, can you at least lay down the weapons of war? And so, you know, thinking about like, what does peace with your body look like? And so, you know, just a couple of things maybe to think about. Can you stop assaulting it? Yes. So, you know, whether in the form of unbalanced exercise, pushing past limits related to food, drink. Or even just the thoughts that we're chronically yeah. throwing at ourselves. Yes. Criticisms about our bodies yes um either verbally out loud like girls are famous for just getting yes. together and like complaining about their body but also internally your dialogue yes like yes. Can you lay down those weapons yes so dispatch an ambassador yeah. right try a kind word towards your body and it may definitely sound foreign on your tongue yes. <laughs> and that's okay but get you know give it give it a try and you know this is something that you know anna and i definitely talk about a lot in our clinical work but can you identify something Something about your body that you appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, and so really shifting away from this idea and this focus on appearance right. and really shift towards an appreciation for the function right. form of to your function. body from, yeah, form to function. And um, so a function that it performs for you, your body's resilience, your body as an instrument. Um And then, you know, start listening to your body. So for many of us with a history of body image concerns, we spend so much of our time and energy trying to control our bodies, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, we're really lousy at listening to the needs of our body. And so making peace with your body includes learning to listen Mm -hmm. to your body. So you got to get quiet. Yes. So what do you need? What food will fuel you? You know, learning to figure out when you are full, which Honestly, 
Like for a lot of people, that is such a foreign yes, concept. Yes. Well, and yeah. I think it's just really scary because it honestly is something you tune into on a case by case basis, right? Yeah. Because yeah. one day full looks different for me than the mm-hmm. next day, right? Yep. And so Absolutely. many variables influence that. And your ability to trust that flexibility yeah. can feel so scary. Yeah. Especially if you're a chronic dieter. Yes. But also, right, it's not just what what do you need, what what fuels you. Part of peace with your body is honoring that your body deserves fun food too. Yeah. Right? That I eat chocolate every day. It's a moral imperative I have. <laughs> yeah, she's religious about it. Yeah, I am. It. Like, my body deserves chocolate. Like, she'll, <laughs> she'll call me. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm eating chocolate. <laughs> there you go. And we are better for it. Yes. <laughs> we are better when Anna eats chocolate. <laughs> Everyone benefits when I have my chocolate. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, we we won't get into it here, but um, an intuitive eating yes. approach. I think we should include sure. a link for that if anyone really wants to step yes. into that. There's some amazing resources out there. Yes, we but will definitely. There's like a Bible on it that we can put a link yeah, to if yeah. you want to. Yeah, we'll definitely include that. So, but yeah, intuitive eating, so flexibility yes. with food, learning to tune into your hunger, fullness, all that good stuff. So, okay, do you want to talk to us about solution two? Yeah, so solution two is try compassion instead of comparison. This is so. Um, Valuable. What I want to say, too, is so often we're comparing and we may not even be consciously aware that we are. It's like such a default. It is such a default mode. And so honestly, we're actually really wired to do so. Um, I think this comes from our biological underpinnings of belonging and that need for belonging. And so we're always evaluating how do I fit in? Do I not fit in? Um, So it's just a natural reflex for us to have, which takes conscious choice Mm -hmm. to stop doing. Um, So. So, first of all, that awareness, right, of how often you are comparing um, and to catch yourself and and engage some coping strategies that can redirect you. So, you know, we talk about it's not enough to eliminate a thought because then you have this vacant hole and congratulations, <laughs> that other thought, that thought's just going to come right back in. Right. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to, and it does not. It so doesn't work. No, you have to <laughs> redirect. You have to teach your brain new skills. So yeah. I love you know, some, some mantras, like coming up with a mantra that's meaningful for you. Um, so one of my favorite mantras, uh, is that's not where I want to spend my energy. I love that one. I like, I use it all the time for a variety of of ways, but this is a really helpful one. If I'm comparing, that's not how I want to spend my energy. It's not going to serve me. Mm -hmm. Um, but one, one I use is that's not how I want to relate to this person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That right. Because it's true. Comparison decreases the humanity. Yeah. And the connection. Yeah, for sure. So that's a really great mantra. It reconnects you to your value of I want to connect with yeah. this person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Um, or some other examples you have are I'm learning to be gentle with myself. I'm learning that I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the key here, though, that I talk a lot with clients about is you have to find one that feels meaningful to you. Right. Right. Because if it's just a statement that you're like... 
I'm good enough. And gosh darn it, people like me, right? That's, <laughs> For all you Stuart Smalley fans. Right, right. That's not going to land. And exactly. it's not going to be helpful. Yep. So finding one. So hopefully one of these examples maybe spurred you to think about ones that might work for you. Yeah, exactly. So on a recent podcast, I had a freebie on freeing yourself from comparison on social media. And so we'll have a link to that as well. Great. So you can get your hands on that. I, I, um, one of my friends is a professor on in the School of Family Life at BYU, and she teaches a class on the media. And Ooh. so, she, yeah, so she used it in her lecture, and she's like, can I include this with my class? Because she's like, these are really good practical tips. I'm like, you betcha. Oh, so, very cool. So, yeah, hopefully you can find it um, useful. So. Well, I like that, too, because, right, that is an overt behavior that just lends itself to comparison. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that is an easy thing, an easy solution to step away from. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I, I really like that. Yeah. So, and that takes us right into solution three, which is consider taking a social media fast because yes. comparison really is so much easier on social media and it is a super highway to feeling miserable about yourself. Yes. And um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so easy. And so, like I said, I just tackled this issue. And so we'll link to that um, podcast. And so you can um, take a look at that. But in a nutshell, really, the key is to spend less time on social media and really check in with yourself. And if you're not in a good headspace, yeah, back away from the phone. Like it's just, it's just not um, in your best interest. And be wary of platforms that are image heavy. Um, Instagram, we're talking to you, right? <laughs> and, and like I love Instagram, but like it can be a really bad breeding ground for body image concerns. And so, you know, be careful about who you're following. um, That's that sort of thing. And so there are some days where social media use is just going to be hazardous for your health. And so you've got to be wise enough to know when, right, when you've got to, you know, put that phone down and back away. Yes. So yeah, great. Um, So our next solution is, uh, which, which is lends perfectly from what you were just saying, this self-awareness, um, tuning into what your needs are in the moment. Um, so we talk a lot about, as psychologists, about mindfulness. Um, so mindfulness is this skill and ability to observe your thoughts um, and witness them as that instead of buying into them as truth tellers or reality. Um, so when with particular attention to body image, um, the first step is obviously knowing that ruminative thoughts about your body are not helpful and they take you away from being present and engaged. So a thought, um, when you have those experiences, being able to overtly say to yourself, that's a thought. Yep. That's not a truth teller. Observe them and let them go. Um, and again, you could go back to using those mantras to redirect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a lot of power in just disengaging from those storylines. It's it's so I mean, it's that's such a simple but powerful truth to recognize my thoughts are not reality. Yes. Whew. 
right? Our <laughs> brains are so creative. They're so good at what they do. And they're so convincing and at times. They're so convincing. <laughs> and they vastly distort reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And they're obnoxious liars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So be wary. Yes. Be wary. Yeah. Okay. So so um, our last solution, solution five for you. I mean, we've got so many more. Again, but we for, could talk about this all for, day. For but. now. Yeah. Solution five, some proactive behaviors. Um, one way to introduce more adaptive body image is to behave as if you like your body. And this yes. is this is something we talk about a lot with clients. Act as though. Act right. as though you've got things figured you've out. You've already landed. Yeah. Right? So what would you do differently if you liked your body? Yes. And start doing that now. Yes. Yeah. And that I relates both that. to in terms of how you treat and relate to your body. Like, does it? do you need to rest more? Do you yes. need to move your body more? You know, yeah. do you... Are you opting out of fun activities because you're worried about your body, like swimming with friends or hiking with friends? Like, What would change? But also, is there anything you'd be doing differently in your life if the energy you spend on body image concerns were redirected elsewhere and more in line with your values, what yeah. would look different? Yes. Where would you be spending your time and energy and start doing that? Yes. I love that. And I think, I mean, I just think like a simple example of that, um, you know, for instance, okay, like I'm not going to go swimming because I'm self-conscious and I don't want to be seen in a swimsuit. But if Right. Like if I felt good in my body, like I really love to go swimming. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go swimming. And then you think about getting in the pool and actually like feeling empowered in your body and how, how actually acting as though can help to shift the way you relate to your body. And so I really think that this solution can be really powerful and it's kind of like a domino effect over time. I love this because something I talk about a lot with clients is you will never get to peace with your body when you're not treating her as if she's worthy. When you're actively restricting, when you're harming her Mm -hmm. psychologically or physically, you'll never feel peace with her because she is very clearly getting messages, I'm not good enough, which, right, is you're telling yourself. (laughs) But the, the opposite is true, right? If we treat our bodies as if they're worthy, yep. it opens up the possibility that we believe it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just just um, the only thing I would add to that is trust is a two-way street, Yeah. right? Like we we spend all this time and energy saying like, I can't trust my body. Like I, don't, I can't feed it because like, what if I gain all this weight? And it's like, you know, your body's waiting to see if you're trustworthy. Yes. <laughs> and so let's 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 work with what we know because we've got lots of research actually on nutritional science. Yes. <laughs> and and I always just try and remind people like trust is actually a two-way street and like you're just playing chicken here. So someone's got to start. <laughs> yes. Someone's got to be willing. Someone's got to be willing. And so, yeah. So it's always it's always so cool when people start that trust process with their body. Yes. It's pretty remarkable again, to see. Our bodies are amazing. They're I'm so not... wise. And so resilient. And so resilient. Yeah. yeah. They are worthy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So. And, and I think the other thing, like we're, you know... Our bodies are not cut off from from 
from ourselves. No. You know, like we bring our whole selves to work. Yes. And and so to, you know, we're talking about body image concerns and yet it's everything. Yes. Right? It's we're our talking sen- about us. Yeah. It's our sense of self. It's our ability to communicate. It's mm-hmm. our ability to ask for what we it's need. It's our power. It's yeah. Our, yeah. Yeah. And so recognizing that our our willingness and our ability to do this work will really help us to be courageous and do the work we need to do in other areas. And that it's all, it's all related. Yes. It's all related. Yes. So good. It's good stuff. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. It's great. It's great. Okay. So thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you head on over to my website to check out the show notes with all the great resources uh, for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 25. One more time. That's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 25. So remember, we've got a great uh, social media comparisons freebie there. We've also got the link to the self-care podcast. I'll also have a link to um, Dr. Kristen Neff's website on self-compassion. There's some really great stuff there. And uh, oh, I also want to link to the Body Redefined Instagram account Mm -hmm. by um, Lexi. Oh, you mean Beauty Redefined. Oh, sorry. Beauty Redefined. Yeah, not Body redefined well that works too that works too yeah yeah Yeah. it's doctors uh lindsey and lexi kite they've done some really great work on um body image and then we'll also link to um intuitive eating so if you want more information on that so make sure you check out um the show notes at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 25. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care. Bye.